Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Coleman podcast, where I have go-win conversations with fabulous people. So through that, we can get their stories out there. And I believe that three things happen when people share their story. We learn from them. We are inspired by them and we connect. And from that connection, I believe community happens. And I love to say that community wins. And today, today, ladies and gentlemen, it's a special day for me. I was just telling my man, Mitch, who you're about to meet, that I have a, a, a goal of getting one new person out of my favorite state a week onto my podcast. And so today I have Mitch Brown. Mitch, where are you at? Chicago? Where I'm in right uh, New now? York, in Brooklyn. New, Brooklyn. New York, Brooklyn. Yeah, man. Yeah. So how are you doing? Uh, all things considered, I'm blessed, you know. I've uh, still uh, got a job that's, uh, you know, issuing me a paycheck. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I am still got my health. So, you know, those uh, two things right now, uh, if you got those two things, I think you're in good shape and you just for have sure. to deal with everything else. Yep. For sure, for sure. Now, were you in Chicago at one point? Why I think you were in Chicago? Yeah, I, now you're right. You're right. I was in Chicago. I've been in New York. This is uh, year six for me. Uh, I was in Chicago. Uh, I graduated business school from Vanderbilt in 2012, moved to Chicago, okay. uh, and I was there from 2012 to 2014. So. Nice, nice. Uh, Brooklyn, man, how do you like it? Have you always been in Brooklyn since you've been in New York? Yeah, so Brooklyn's been the uh, neighborhood, well, the the borough I've been living in. Uh, I've been, I mean, right here in Clinton Hill uh, slash Fort Greene. I'm kind of right on the edge of the neighborhood, but uh, I love it, man. Brooklyn is a, is a dope, dope place. Uh, it's one of those uh, boroughs that I think from somebody who's moving from the South like me, is a is a good adjustment uh, you know yeah. other boroughs offer some different things like queens is a little too residential i love queens like we're gonna go visit i don't know if i can live there manhattan is so expensive so busy and i think brooklyn is a happy medium between the two cool cool uh so my wife and i were just in um brooklyn that wasn't last year was the year before last man we loved it we spent about a week out there and uh just really enjoyed it i could live in new york my wife was like no nah, <laughs> it's too, we live in a small town in Oklahoma, and so going to a big city like that probably wouldn't be the best. But I like public transportation and getting around. Do you have a car or do you only do tra public transportation? Uh, no, no. Uh, you know, speaking, uh, you know, of that first that adjustment, uh, moving here, original, when, I, you, when I visited before I moved, uh, and I, I used to visit and, you know, like that being a southerner, it's this, it's abrasive, you know, it's like people everywhere. It's like no personal space. It ain't really the cleanest, you know, the, yeah. that uh, environment that you're used to. So all of that, like, you know, I think took even for me some time to get adjusted to. Uh, but once you, once you get bought in, it's like, you know, I don't know how to, once you're a New Yorker and like you get bought in, so it is, it's nothing else uh, better to in your eyes. Uh, but no, no car for me. Uh, it's not even, uh, honestly, it's not practical uh, for me. Uh, yeah. there's no, we, you know, I live in a building, I don't have parking, so I would have to move my car. Uh, you know, they have street sweeping and cleaning on like certain days. So it's like, I'd have to do that every other day and I'm out of town for work a lot, uh, uh when things were normal. So it just, it, it would be more big of a headache and expense than it is a convenience. I Uber, I take public transportation, like you were mentioning, uh, the subway system here is, uh, you know, second to none. It gets you anywhere and everywhere. Uh, and it's pretty simple, uh, to figure out. Man, you're making me jealous, man. You're making me jealous, man. So, man, let's jump into this a little bit, just a little bit more about you, man. So what was Mitch Brown like as a kid? Like, where'd you grow up? What Kind of tell us what that was like for you. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a, a Nashvilleian. I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, so born and raised. Uh, I was born April 11th, 1984. Just actually had a birthday this past weekend. Happy uh, birthday. And, uh, you Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, and growing up in Nashville, uh, I say is, uh, is, it's such a pleasant, it was such a, it's a pleasant memory. It's pleasant nostalgia for me. Uh, I think it was the best of all things I could ever imagine. Uh, I actually uh, uh, grew up in the, the church. Uh, I went to a, a primitive Baptist uh, denomination and it was very family oriented. So, you know, I was at a church where my aunts and cousins and uncles were all yeah. at church, you know, so yeah. uh, that, that in itself just gave me, you know, a good, you know, the sense of family that I kind of carry with me now. Uh, from a schooling standpoint, I, uh, I started, uh, you know, my mom 
uh, worked single parent home, worked two jobs, uh, okay. put a premium, put a premium on education. So much so she worked, you know, uh, all the time just to send me to private school. So I went to St. Vincent de Paul uh, School, uh, which is uh, in Nashville, and it actually is uh, one of two all black uh, elementary private schools in the city. Uh, oh wow! And, and with a religious focus, so you know we have a rich, rich uh, history. Of, uh, of producing young black talent. So I was there from kindergarten to eighth grade. Uh, and, you know, uh, that gave me a good opportunity to, you know, in, in Nashville, we have, you know, standardized tests for seventh graders called like TCAP. And the idea is you take the TCAP score and it's used on the basis of a lot of things. But one of the things it's used for is a, is a metric to get into our magnet school system, right? For high school. So the lottery schools, there's like three of them. Uh, so I did pretty well, got lucky enough to get into a, uh, one of the better schools, Hume Fogg Academics, like college preparatory magnet. And it was at that point, it was the first time, Greg, I had went to school uh, with much of a diverse uh, body and population. Uh, so, you know, that in itself was an experience. It was great, uh, you know, being there with such bright kids, bright students, uh, taking AP courses and the like. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I've always been a big advocate of, you know, of sports and big participant of sports. I played uh, my first love basketball since I was in kindergarten to the time I was a, a senior in high school. So uh, throughout, you know, while I was at St. Vincent DePaul, we used to wreck shop. We used to like beat teams by the mercy rule and all that. I got to high school and being at a magnet school, you know, uh, you know, the academics is the priority, obviously. Uh, and we didn't, we were such a small school, it was like 700 people total, right? Uh, so we didn't have a football team or nothing like that. But I had basketball, I was all bought in, but the program wasn't really in great shape. I got there my, my freshman year. I think the senior team like won like six, seven games the whole season. Uh, you know, and by the time I got to a senior, we had turned the program around. Uh, we were district champs. We made it like two games within state, uh, played great on some great AAU teams with a good national talent in the area. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it just, it just, you know, was a big, big part of, you know, what I was doing in high school. Uh, inroads was a big thing for me in high school too. Uh, got me an opportunity and an entree into getting prepared and thinking about college and thinking about the corporate, corporate space. Uh, I did a couple of uh, cotillions and botillions, uh, you know, and uh, was even in a high school fraternity and uh, you know, I, I had a lot of a lot of great, great experiences. Uh, you know, and Nashville is one of those cities where it's uh, you know people think of Tennessee as uh, it's not country; it's very metropolitan. But the city's small, so like in high school, my friends were all over the place. Uh, so you know that that in a sense, like growing up there, uh, you know, really having a, a real good sense of like you know just family, the city. Uh, I remember when the Titans moved to Nashville, and uh, uh, Eric Nair went to the Super Bowl. I mean, growing up in Nashville was uh, eventful, to say the least. Man, Nashville is probably one of my favorite. I haven't been a whole bunch of places, but it's probably one of my favorite cities. I lived in Columbia for a little while. Columbia, okay. Tennessee. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So hanging out in Franklin and Murfreesboro and oh, all yeah. that. But Nashville, man, it's I didn't know that when, before I moved there, man. It was a beautiful city and offered a lot. You know, I feel like oh, there was yeah. a lot of diversity in it as well. And so, uh, so that's cool, man. So – you were in high school. Now, were you one of those students who just kind of naturally came to you or did you have to work really hard uh, to make good yeah. grades? Yeah, great question. Uh, uh, and, and just re speaking to the diversity of the city, uh, it is called the Athens of the South. And the reason for that is because it has more uh, universities and colleges in a square mile radius. I forgot what the actual radius is, but I think we got like six or seven. And of those six or seven, about half are HBCUs. So you got Meharry Medical College, you got Tennessee State, you've got Fish University, uh, you know, and like, um, and, and you know, that just in itself, just, you know, in terms of diversity, you got that young kind of uh, uh, always like academia diversity coming through the city, no doubt about it. And, you know, and while we're talking about the academia space, I, you know, when I was growing up kindergarten through eighth grade, uh, I, I think it was a natural thing. I think in my, uh, first grade class, we had, I was in a, a subgroup uh, uh, of six students that like, uh, we did a different track. Uh, when I, I got an award in my seventh, eighth grade class, so I think the top two uh, GPAs in my class. And I could never really tell you or remember like me hunkering. I can tell you about, you know, frolicking and the fun times and sports more than I can tell you about hunkering down and studying. Yeah. Uh, when I got to high school, 
that switched up a little bit. It was still a natural thing. Uh, but if you Falk, you were about around, I think when it came to different disciplines, for example, like economics or physics or biology, right? Uh, you know, those kind of things, especially the AP courses required a little bit more of you. Uh, and, you know, again, when I got to college, uh, which you see me here repping Hampton University, uh, uh, where I met your, uh, you know, your lovely sister, one of my best friends, I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, it still came natural, man. It still came natural. It, it didn't really, for me, along my ac academic journey, get to a point where I really had to, you know, bunker down and focus in a way that was foreign to me until I got into, you know, grad and professional school. Uh, so it was always one of those things Just the Lord blessed me with a talent. I'm a good test taker, I tell people. I could sit in your class, listen, listen, listen. You can throw out that test and, and I, could, I could do pretty well on it, uh, for sure. So you got a good memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm so. listening to you so. now talk about, well, you remember in first grade, we was in subgroups. Like, I can't even tell you about first grade. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my, my son is like that. I have a, my middle son is like that. Like, he, one time, it missed like two weeks of school. Like, we think he had coronavirus. Like, this was here recently. Like, he missed okay. almost three weeks, I think. And so he went back to school, and he's about to have a math test on that day, and they were going to do a review. And so the teacher said, well, Zell, you can take the test later. We're just going to let you, whatever. And so she said, but we're about to do a review. So my son's sister, listen, and he has like AP math. Like it's pretty strenuous math or whatever. And uh, he's sitting there, he listens, and uh, he's supposed to be doing whatever. And so whenever she says, all right, we've got to take the test, he says, hey, do you mind if I just go ahead and take the test? I think I'll be fine. You know, now this dude ain't been to school, goes in there, <laughs> listens, and then he makes like a 90 for like, which makes it very hard as me on a, as a parent to go like, you need to study. He's yeah. like, why well, I need to, you know, like he doesn't get it just yet. He's in eighth grade. So hopefully high school, some of those, that's the reason I was asking you that for yourself. Like what did yeah. that look like naturally or did you have to study or whatever? Cause there's definitely a difference. Yeah, I know Zell's a bright kid, man. I'm sure he's got it. I'm sure he's got something. <laughs> I, I, I could just, you know, I tell him just seeing him on social media and that kind of thing. And yeah, he's a bright kid for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so talking about high school now, you're getting ready to transition into college. Now, what's crazy to me right now, thinking about this, you went to HBCU, you went to Hampton, mm -hmm. but you were in like the mecca of HBCUs, right? You were right there in yeah. Nashville. Like, tell yeah. me how you. How did you end up going to Hampton, and what did that look like for you? Did you decide on which college to go to? Yeah, interesting, because, you know, not only am I right there in, in like, the mecca of HBCUs, but I'm right down the street from, like, the AUC or the Atlanta University Center. So, in my high school, actually, in terms of uh, young black men graduates for the past, I think the, the two or three classes previous to me, I think we sent at least – two students, three students, uh, black male students to Morehouse uh, every year, at least two or three. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, uh, and I had, you know, one of my uh, good female friends head over to Spelman. So I was really, when I was doing my college visits, uh, it was really when I would start to kind of, uh, you know, kind of whittle this thing down. But I, let me start here. How did I even know? Or, you know, I, I always think I was HBCU the whole time, the whole way. Uh, so my grandmother used to get Ebony's and Jets. Uh, oh, I bet yeah. like most people's grandmothers oh. in there. And, and, and a crazy little story. Uh, she told this to my friends one time. Uh, she would get the Jets, right, and they would pile up somewhere. And one day after school, uh, I had got all the Jets out and laid them out in the living room floor to the Jet Beauty of the Week. And I had like a big Jet Beauty of the Week spread <laughs> in the whole floor uh, and reading about all the Jet Beauty of the Week. So she tells her the story all the time. So I thought I'd tell it for her. Uh, but, but one of the cool things, if people remember Ebony, they used to do like a yearly, basically, catalog or directory of all the HBCUs uh -huh. in the country. And uh, I've always been a real big geography and kind of history guy, too. Like those are two subjects that really appeal to me. And I, I took pride in kind of learning where all the HBCUs were, you know, like, uh, you know, because uh, I think uh, in Oklahoma, you got Lincoln, right? Uh, uh, Langston. Uh, you got Langston, I'm sorry, Langston. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln's in, in Pennsylvania. Uh -huh. uh, so, yeah. Uh, so you got, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, I wanted to know a little bit about it. So I, I kind of took that, uh, that, that strategy, then I whittled it down to five. So I had five on my list. I had Howard. I had Hampton, I had Fisk, I had uh, Morehouse, 
And I think the last one was like Fam You or something like that. Um, and also, like I grew up with a, with you know a, a appreciation for the culinary arts. So this is a little known history fact uh, here about me. I actually applied to culinary school too, I, Johnson and Wells. So I was going to take one or two different tracks, uh, but I decided against you know going to culinary school. And I actually did visits to come down to you know discern really about where I was going to go. So I went to the AUC and I checked out Morehouse and uh, you know uh, the AUC and I said you know it's cool. But I you know I had I'm a big guy who's about exploration and new stuff. And uh, for me, Atlanta was something that was in Nashville was super familiar, but even Atlanta was super familiar. Like if okay. you live in Nashville, you go to Atlanta yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, and Nashville from that standpoint of, you know, if I said if I had to stay, I would do something like Fitz, uh, because actually I grew up in the public housing that was right, right across from uh, Fitz. So I thought it would be something like almost like ceremonious or like, you know, fate driven. Uh, yeah. TSU had a lot of friends go there, but like I felt, I already felt like I was ingrained in TSU without going to TSU. I went to all the homecomings. I've been to the parades. Yeah. I, I got friends that attended there, right? So I, I, I really wanted to do something different. It was a high school day at Hampton, and I actually had got a uh, a special invitation because I was a presidential scholar. I got a a, a a good scholarship offer there. And I went there high school day. Uh, for those of you out there that don't know, at Hampton is in the spring, uh, early April, and the weather's changing. And uh, I tell people, if you've never visited Hampton University, it's one of the most beautiful sights, scenes you ever see. Campus sits on uh, on, on the on the water uh, near the Chesapeake Bay. And like, listen, like you go there on a nice sunny day, it's hard to turn that down. And then, you know, for me, it was, uh, it was, it was in that spirit. I, I knew then, like, oh, uh, this is where I'm supposed to be. So... You know, it was Hampton for me then, HBCU, following through with that. And, yeah, I had to – wanted to get out and explore something new. And I wanted to – I'm a per, I'm a people person. So, I wanted – I think much like you, you know, yeah. I wanted to get out. I, I felt like I had conquered my, my city, you know, in a way. Yeah. So, I wanted to get out we'll get out and do some other things. Yeah, that's good, man. So, on your LinkedIn, you went to Hampton, graduated. And I, and I know that you did some uh, – grad. you did some um, – Post schooling too, like after college, you went to uh, law school. Got your you went to get your MBA. Yeah, I got my JD and MBA. Yeah, JD and MBA. Uh, kind of like my father. Uh, yeah, same same route he took. I think you did them at different time zones. Did you do them? Together? I did. I did. No, I did okay. them uh, disjointly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, on your LinkedIn, it says diversity and inclusion practitioner, entrepreneur, and charity charity organization organizer uh tell me about those three things yeah so the diversity inclusion practitioner right i uh my day gig uh, and i always say this is about uh 80 of my time right that's kind of how i break it down because uh, i've always been a person who's you know i got tentacles in m multiple things i uh in a way I, I my attention span really can't stay directly on one thing for a long time i have to be stimulated by doing so much uh so much so my, uh, I work for a company, a small boutique firm called the Kaleidoscope Group. Uh, so we are a boutique uh, diversity and inclusion firm uh, and it's headquartered in Chicago, Illinois. And I've been working with them for about six years. So um, when I uh, graduated from Vanderbilt, right, uh, and got my business, uh, my MBA from there in 2012, I moved to Chicago, as I stated earlier. The first job I had when I got to Chicago was with Gallup. Same people do like the polls, that kind of thing. Uh, so I did a management consultant role with them around employee engagement surveys, uh, two years, and then I left that company to work with the company I'm working for now. Uh, and I did that via referral. Uh, uh, one of my frat brothers was doing some legal work for uh, this company. They were expanding. They needed some new consultants, so I came aboard. So I, I tell people, you know, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, it's one of those things that's like a hot topic now. Uh, it wasn't something I was looking for. You know, I honestly just, you know, went and had a good interview and liked the people that were there and I got into it. And it's something I realized that, wow, I'm really good at it. I'm really passionate about it. Uh, so what does a practitioner mean? Like in my role, I'm a client leader. So my company hires your company, right, to do maybe some work around diversity and inclusion. Uh, maybe that works strategy work. Hey, Mitch, we've never done anything like this. What might we do? Well, we might come up with some workforce strategy where we help you with sourcing talent and uh, acquiring diverse talent, right? Uh, we might help you with your interviewing process, uh, you know, diverse interview slates. 
of how to, uh, you know, consider bias in the interviewing uh, process. Or you might say, hey, Mitch, I need some uh, focus on my workplace strategy, right? So, you know, I really want to work on behaviors and skills. So let's set up an educational curriculum where we'll take your uh, employees through maybe a two-hour unconscious bias training. You know, how do you, uh, how do you design something like that? What is that going to look like, right? Uh, who goes and delivers that? Uh, you know, uh, above above many other things, right? So we're talking, when we say full service, uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion and things and strategies that companies might have, uh, we're there to help and, uh, and execute on, on those things. Uh, so that's you, the diversity say, practitioner. What would you say some common steps are for that? Uh, or, or is it always so different? Well, I think it's usually always so different. I would say the majority of our business is education. So commonly, somebody's going to want to know you know, listen, we do certain trainings on technical things. So let's say I work for a company and I make sprockets, right? So uh, I might come to a training and understand how to run a machine that puts out the sprockets. You know, normally our, our buyer might be somebody who lives in HR, right? Might be somebody uh -huh. who's over, over learning and development. Or sometimes it's somebody, Greg, in that executive suite and we got a, you know, a, a high level executive that says, you know what, listen, I think diversity and inclusion is important. We've never done anything like this. Let me go out and reach out to some companies that do. And uh, how can you guys help us? So that's usually how it starts. That's good. That's good. And then entrepreneur. Yeah. So the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. So I got a, a couple different endeavors and had a couple of endeavors uh, that I've always tried. So. One of the things I think, uh, you know, we have to do as, you know, uh, millennials and especially young black millennials, speaking from a point of like a historical disenfranchisement, right, is how do you uh, capitalize on your social equity? And uh, that's one of the things I've been tinkering with and trying to figure out. So, uh, you know, I went to uh, law school and like I said, I had a love of sports. I still do uh, with the aspirations of becoming a sports agent. Uh, so I was able to, you know, uh, uh, get uh, my certification from the NFL Players Association in one year. Uh, able, I didn't keep that up uh, because my business partner, uh, uh, you know, we started a, a mom and pop sports agency where, you know, we had a good run. Uh, you know, we had three years of, of having, you know, second round draft uh, picks, right? Uh, had clients uh, play in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, have clients, you know, uh, have huge, you know, 10-sack seasons and the like. Uh, so really got into the space of recruiting and running a small mom-and-pop sports agency and represented, uh, uh, you know, top-tier talent in the National Football League. So that was one of my entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, right now, I'm on another entrepreneurial endeavor, uh, and this is really just, you know, kind of breaking news still, uh, you know, being developed. But uh, right now, I am on the uh, kind of uh, uh, operational and, and managing like partner uh, a team of a, a new creative agency uh, that I'm working with uh, called Justified. So uh, we are in our stages of uh, getting ready to launch our brand uh, and doing some cool stuff uh, on the creative agency side. And, you know, that kind of leads me to that last piece around charity organizer, right? And I think, you know, charity organizer has been a real big piece of my time puzzle. And I would call that that, you know, I would say the entrepreneurial is about, you know, 5%. I would say the charity organizer is 15. So, you know, diversity practitioner, the majority of my time spent there, obviously 50, 40 hours a week. And then I find time for these other things. And then it comes in like waves. So when you talk about charity organizer, we're talking about two, uh, two organizations. Uh, so the first one is uh, Kicks for the City, uh, and it is a charitable nonprofit, which we uh, have a mission of delivering new and gently worn shoes to the homeless and underprivileged uh, youth. And we do that in a concerted effort. It's a national program uh, that we do in seven cities across the United States. We even have global reach. We've partnered with uh, 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 a, uh, a village in Ghana to deliver shoes uh, in Africa. And uh, the, the program itself is in November, or it has been in November, uh, and we do three weeks uh, from the 1st of November to the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And again, we use our own networks and we use, uh, you know, different local cor corporate partnerships in seven cities. What are those seven cities? New York, 
uh, St. Louis, Charlotte, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., New Orleans, and uh, and um, I think I mentioned – oh, Chicago. I didn't mention Chicago. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's been something we've been doing for the past five years. Uh, we've done over uh, a couple hundred thousand pairs of shoes. Uh, we've had dope partnerships with Nike, uh, Adidas, uh, Athlete's Foot, uh, you name it. Uh, and it's been really something that's uh, uh, created some positive impact. Uh, we had the opportunity to, you know, get recognized in some different uh, PR spaces. Uh, with you know different campaigns by Nike, we've been on uh, uh, real. We've been on uh, uh, Sway uh, on Sirius X, uh, XM. Uh, so we had you know a lot of things with that. And Kicks for the City, you know, Greg. Over the year, uh, there's two big pieces of it. So that's that that's that charitable uh, philanthropic piece in November, and then we have like a celebratory and like fundraising piece that we do in the summer called the Agora Sneaker Ball. And uh, the sneaker ball itself is, is was really uh, the the fundraising uh, opportunity to like uh, you know make sure we can cover our operational costs throughout the year. But that in itself, man, turned into something that's just like you know at this point was something beyond our, our wildest imagination. It is a truly organic, uh, service-oriented uh, formal gala that's invite only. That started from like 200 people the first year to last year we did like 1,400 people. And uh, our, our corporate sponsors in the space, like Chicago White Sox, uh, Pinterest, uh, Rent the Runway, Adidas, Nike, Athlete's Foot, uh, Jordan, uh, you name it. We've, we've been able to do some great, great things. Uh, and it's hosted, uh, you know, annually in the summertime. Uh, and last year we were at the Museum of Science and Industry and again did over 1,400 people. Unfortunately, uh, because of the times we're living in right now with COVID-19, we had to cancel this year. Uh, and it was looking to be the fifth annual, but that's okay. We'll, we'll do the fifth annual next year. We'll come back with a bang, but that's been huge. Uh, that other piece of the charity organization is with an uh, organization called Breakthrough. And uh, we are an organization that is focused on raising uh, mental health awareness through distance running. Now, how did Breakthrough come about? Uh, well, uh, at Hampton, uh, one of my line brothers uh, that I met there, Yusuf Scott Neville, uh, was an avid runner, and uh, he actually, uh, you know, five years ago, actually six years ago, uh, took his own life. And, uh, you know, he uh, committed suicide, uh, and it was very, very, you know, uh, as as it, that obviously would be for, for most people, it was, uh, you know, it was a huge blow. Uh, so uh, he, uh, uh, you know, inspired me and his best friend, Ryan Schaefer, to really start this nonprofit in his honor. And, uh, you know, our main thing is, again, uh, keeping his legacy alive and trying to, you know, again, uh, get people to think about mental health in a different way and using distance running as a way to kind of, uh, you know, be therapy for that. So our two big things is uh, we do Hampton Homecoming. I do the uh, Yusuf Neville uh, Hampton Homecoming 5K. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, this year, we don't know what's going to happen with Homecoming, but we'll be going into the sixth year of that this year. And then also in uh, January, Schaefer leads uh, a lot. And Yusuf was from North Carolina. So he had a lot of uh, tentacles in North Carolina A&T and like those kind of areas and, and that constituency. And we do the Miami Marathon in, uh, in uh, uh, Miami in late Ju uh, January. And we've been taking a team of people down there for that. So again, promoting our mission, keeping his legacy alive. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about what all those things mean. Man, that's pretty legit, man. Yeah, I was reading the... Uh your website for the uh, kicks uh, program and the story with the gentleman from St. Louis who met the homeless guy and kind of how mm -hmm. this all came about. Now, is that homeless guy? Like where I was just curious, like, do you know, do you know where he's at now? Is he working? Is he still homeless? What does that look like? Yeah. So uh, that's uh, actually one of my best friends, uh, one of my groomsmen uh, and the founder of kicks for the city, Justin Johnson. Uh, and he actually, you know, I've heard him tell this story many times. Uh, that he was, you know, working in St. Louis, uh, doing some, uh, working as a financial advisor. And he used to pass this guy on the street all the time. And one thing that struck him one day is he noticed, like, you know, this, he's looking at this, this, this guy and he's looking and it's just, it's kind of, uh, it was kind of, you know, a situation where it just like hit him, like, this guy is similar in age to me, right? He looks a lot like me, like, yeah. you know. So that just kind of threw him off to the to the point where he was like he took an interest and wanted to sit down and talk with the with the uh, gentleman, 
and they began a uh, you know uh, just a relationship based up on that. And he would take him to get some food, you know. And one day, like he asked him, you know, looking at his shoes, he was like he was getting cold, and his uh, toes were sticking through his shoes. And he said, "Hey, man, are those the you know only shoes you know that you have?" And he said the guy looked back at him with pride and said, "You know, these are my only pair." You know, he said then, you know, he thought about it, you know, in that moment, like, wow, like, this is something that I could do, you know, because a lot of things, our mantra is changing the face of charity. Sometimes people think, oh, if I don't have millions or thousands of dollars, you know, why even bother? But, you know, something like this is like people got, you know, shoes in the closet. That's how it originally started. Like, I have shoes in my closet that I could give this person who's in need of these shoes and I can make a difference. And everybody probably has that opportunity, right? So that's how it started. Uh, I do know that they kept some kind of relationship. Uh, I don't know what the yeah. current situation is, but uh, that's a little bit back backdrop behind uh, Justin uh, uh, and how, how the organization started. Yeah, on the website, he said something. Y'all had gotten to 100,000 uh, sneakers, but you just said a couple of hundred thousand. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure at this point, I'm not sure uh, when the latest numbers ran, but we just had our final year of the drive. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've had, uh, you know, again, and I'm, I'm guesstimating here. So the exact number could be closer to the hundred than the 200, but we've had like corporate partners do. So we've had two models, right? We take from the consumer, we process. And what process means is during the shoe drive, right? Uh, we collect all these shoes. And again, we ask for new shoes, but sometimes it's gently worn. So we have to sanitize, we have to organize the shoes. Uh, and, you know, going through all of that, and then we give them out to the beneficiaries. Uh, but sometimes, you know, we'll have partners uh, that have worked with us, and we take the, the shoes directly from the corporation to the beneficiary, right? Uh, so, you know, I think the stats on the uh, uh, website might show the former model, yeah, yeah, you know, where uh -huh. we've done, done, done the shoe drive with, with the public. Hey, either way, that is amazing. You know, starting mm -hmm. on this, you having this conversation with a guy on the on the corner, and, and getting him one pair, you know, getting him a pair of shoes to now you giving away hundred or two hundred thousand, whatever, five thousand, a thousand, yeah. like it's just the little things for me. Like if you gave five people a pair of shoes, one person, I'm like that's cool. Like just continue yeah. to see people uh, be kind and get out there and, and support one another. That whole community wins thing, I truly believe in, and I feel like you would be a big advocate for that even though that may not be a hashtag or something that you use on a regular, your lifestyle speaks to like you bring people together and you all celebrate life together, do things so much so that you had how many people on a zoom call for your birthday? How many people do you have on your zoom call? Right, like <laughs> the zoom call, man. What? Yeah. The zoom, it, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, I was, I was, you know, blown away. It was 96 uh, people, I think at the uh, height of it. Uh, I've never seen it was four different pages of Zoom. I've never seen. So what did you just have to keep scrolling through them like this? Or? Yeah, you, yeah, we had to keep because I, I wanted to, you know, at least get a chance to like yeah. you know, see, acknowledge most people. Uh, yeah, so we just had to scroll scroll through. Couldn't necessarily stop and talk to every single person, but I tried For to shout sure. shout shout people out here and there. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was a lot of love, man. It's a lot of love. It's a testament, I think, to uh, you know, that go win mentality. Uh, that if you live your life trying to, uh, you know, uh, help others, you know, I think it, it, it's a, it's a life has a nice way of reciprocating those kind of things. Right. Yeah, and, for sure. uh, you know, you put, I'm a true believer in, I'm a true believer in people and others. I, I think that that is what makes, you know, life, it, what, what life is. I think that's what gives a word like love its meaning. Uh, so, you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I really, truly, truly do. Yeah. So how does my sister feel about you loving people like that? Like, what is... <laughs> she, your sister is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, your, hey, your sister, yeah. Let me tell you something. Um, your sister and I have been... We were thinking about this the other day. Your sister knows me better than probably anybody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I, your sister is kind of used to me in a way that uh, she can predict, you know, what I am <laughs> and, and what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, she is, uh, you know, we, we, we met, you know, uh, you know, we met, we, we, we talk about this a lot, of, uh, a lot, like such a long time ago when we think about it. 
I don't have even even like you know I grew up in, speaking of Nashville. One of the things I forgot to mention is like I still have a lot of the relationships that I have from growing up. So I know a lot of times people. I have two different layers of relationships that a lot of oh, times yeah. people may may separate. So I have friends from back home that I've been knowing since I was in high school or even before then that we're still friends now. I have friends from college that we are like family, right? Your your, your sister is 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 in that in that space, and you know I, we've been a part of so many things. Like we haven't lived in the same place since Hampton, and I think uh, we were talking about this. I haven't been a year, a moment without seeing her to the point that I think like, oh, she's missing, right? So you know this idea of just being so close and being there for so many different moments. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's a blessing to be in somebody's life like that. But like, no, your sister thinks, man, your sister probably thinks, uh, you know, I'm doing too much. And she, look, I told the story, I told the story on my party. Uh, somebody was like, because I, I used to have these birthday celebrations called Mitchell Palooza, right? And uh, the, the idea would be, the idea would be to get all my friends together, you know, all different, all different sectors of friends. We get together and we, we, and we do a weekend, we kick it or whatever. And uh, I probably had four different installations of Mitchell Palooza. So we called the one this past weekend aptly Zuma Palooza. It was Mitchell Palooza, <laughs> Zuma Palooza edition. And people started saying, people were reminiscing about other Mitchell Palooza. People said, oh my God, we should do it that. We should bring it back. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I thought about bringing it back, but I was like, you know what, Lauren, Lauren Hill's a thorn in my side. She's like, you know what, people don't want to be doing this. People, people, <laughs> you, you burdening people to come out here for your birthday. People got other stuff to do, you know. I was like, <laughs> so I was like, she, she, she brings the reality check, right? Yeah. She brings the reality yeah. check, and she is, you know, and you know, I, I tease her about this too, so I don't mind saying it. She's, uh, it, she's, um, you know, she, I, she's. People look at our relationship from the outside in, and they're like, "Man, she's so mean to you," and like, you know, like she's mean, but like she wouldn't be. She's not gonna be mean to just you like that, because like she's mean to me like that because we're so close, and she yeah. is overprotect. She, in a way, she's. I think she's like overprotective by friendship. She see, I I tell her like she I let her be friends with my friends, but she doesn't want me to be friends with her friends because I was a problem. So you know, like that's that's a, that's another little issue there. But nah, uh, but I, I don't funny. know what she might think about that, but that might be some thoughts she might have. Hey, that is definitely my sister. And via our text message, uh, going back and forth about trying to do some research to ask the right questions. What are some things that you know you have hit the. Uh, what is it, the, the nail on the head by what you said versus what our text say. She talked about you being, you know, loving, like everything that you've said so far up to this point, Lauren, I could have just said, Lauren, let's talk about Mitch on the podcast. Yeah. She talked about yeah. you loving people, right? Uh, she, yeah. talked to, uh, she talked about you doing too much, throwing uh, <laughs> parties or whatever. <laughs> and the reason she talked about doing too much is because she sent me a text. She said, ask about Italy and New York. Why would she say ask about Italy and New York? Oh, oh my God. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so I got, so I got married last year, right? So, um, shout out to my wife. Congratulations. Queen, which is, yep. Um, and, um, so, you know, we made the decision to have two ceremonies. Here was the philosophy behind it. So we, we wanted to have a ceremony in Italy. Why? Because we went to Italy the year prior. We loved it. It was an amazing experience. And that's the other thing. When I have an amazing experience, I want to share it with my network, right? I, wanna, I want them to have this, especially because I'm, I'm also very, uh, I'm an only child. I grew up an only child. I'm very uh, particular and I'm very like headstrong. Like I, I like the world the way I like it, right? I, I like uh -huh. to navigate th things the way I like it. And I like to, for other people to experience that. So um, I said uh, we went to uh, Amalfi Coast, and we were uh, did lunch at this at this spot uh, called uh, Conga, uh, and we uh, you know had a pleasant time. And I actually popped the question there at this uh, at this restaurant, and it was such a good time. Like they literally was like, "Oh, you guys should come back and get married here." You know, people say that and you know jokingly or whatever. But, you know, when we started thinking about it, we were like, oh, my God, that, that would be probably awesome to kind of come back and do that, right? Uh, but we were thinking, like, oh, that could be, like, a, you know, very, very expensive thing. Uh, we wouldn't want to, like, 
do that and like everybody couldn't be a part of it. So that was like, all right, well, and then, you know, whether that be because you couldn't travel that far because of kids, because of financial reasons, whatever it be. Uh, so we said, you know what, we got to do something here domestically. So we were, we decided to do a wedding in Brooklyn in June. And then we did a second wedding in Italy in September. And, uh, you know, it was crazy uh, because also it was one of these things where we're trying to, you know, you, it's, we're doing it, but we're also trying to do it on a budget. So we're like, man, we can't invite everybody. We, I had way more people I would love to invite, but we had to keep the numbers at a certain place. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, uh, it, I'm sure that's what she's saying is like, yeah, you know, yeah. Ultimate doing too much. <laughs> but if you ask her about, and we look, she texts me about this too. And because we're sitting here amidst the quarantine, and we said, you know what, all those 2019 trips, I'm glad we did because, yeah. you know, it, it, it makes sense now. And to be honest, it's just, you know, I tell people I'm learning, you know, as you get older, you know, you need to learn a couple different things, right? You, you need to learn about empathy and humility uh, and because you need to understand, like, grace, right, and God's grace and, and why you are where you are. Uh, you need to start to learn about liabilities and assets and, and how you kind of acquire things. And then my last thing is you, you got to learn about, you know, uh, experiences versus materialism. And I'm really big now on experiences because what I'm noticing is every year that you get older, uh, your experiences in your life change, right? Yeah. So that yeah. experience that you have, you know, or you create with people, and something like that, like, I don't even know when the next time I'll be in Italy or anybody else for that matter, based on yeah. what's going on, right? Uh, you know, the experience we, and, and that's not to downplay the Brooklyn ceremony, because the Brooklyn ceremony was crazy, absolutely amazing. And like, that is stuff that like is, when you talk about, oh, what's itched in my head, just like I can think about being pulled out of, you know, first grade for a, a six yeah, of yeah. us, uh -huh. like that, that's going to stay itched in my head a lot. So, you know, uh, that is what she's alluding to, though. We had two wedding ceremonies last year. Now, one another thing she said was that you love food. When did you start oh, loving food? And are you so? When did you start loving food? And then, are you one of those people who could just you will try anything? Okay. Uh, when did I start loving food? A long time ago. So remember, I said I was trying to choose between HBCUs or culinary art school. Yeah, uh, I uh, when I was growing up, my Saturday mornings were like so routine, uh, you know, especially in like the fall, uh, winter time. And, you know, I would wake up and, you know, most kids are going to want to do what? Watch Saturday morning cartoons. Uh -huh. I'm waking up and I'm turning to PBS. I'm on to the cooking shows. I'm like <laughs> Julia Childs, whoever. Like I'm just like enjoying people like cooking. Like it's like it was like an amazing thing to me. And like yeah. that that love turned into like a real love of like the Food Network. And then because of my job, I travel so much. Uh, and you know uh, what it's turned into now is an appreciation for like trying. Uh, various restaurants like I I probably got enough content like pictures and like experiences to probably do a little blog or something I'm probably still got that up in the air uh, but you know uh, my job with the kaleidoscope group uh, is about 60 50 percent travel so I'm constantly in a, in a in a in another city you know constantly always somewhere and one of the things that gives me you know solace in my evenings is deciding where I'm gonna go eat and uh, I just, you know, have a real high bar for high quality food, uh, for chef driven inspired restaurants. Uh, I, I told somebody, I, I mean, outside of Chick-fil-A, I don't know the last time I had fast food. Uh, I haven't <laughs> had McDonald's in probably over a decade. Uh, I just, just really have a strong, strong appreciation for food. Like I do, uh, I love food. But no, I'm not a person who was gonna try anything. Like okay. I, okay. I, I'm even, I, I even like, I don't even eat meat anymore. I'm a pescatarian uh, right now, um, you know, and I'm thinking about being a vegan here uh, in the near future. So, yeah, definitely not. Vegan versus so, pescatarian. So yeah, so I well, I should say I'm not eating red meat or pork or chicken anymore. Uh, so I'm only pescatarian. I'm only eating seafood. Only fish, okay. seafood is all I'm doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I go vegan, you know, I'm cutting out all the seafood, all the red meat, chicken, all of that stuff. 
And I'm already not like uh, I'm kind of lactose to begin with. So I don't eat a ton of dairy. Uh, the only thing I do dairy on is really like, you know, Italian food or like pizza. You know, you can't have pizza without cheese on it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. So how long have you been a uh, pescatarian? How long have you been doing that? You know, uh, Greg, I've watched, uh, I don't know if you've seen this documentary uh, on uh, Netflix called What the Hell. Saw that like three years ago, maybe three, three and a half, four years ago. And it just, you know, it gave me like, it gave me, it caused me to think. Uh-huh. And, and, and when I thought about it, I was like, well, it's worth a try. And here was one of the things that I I'm deal with from a health perspective is like my digestive system sometimes is just like slow. And like, I feel like when I used to eat red meat, it sit on me for a long time and I feel lethargic and that kind of thing. So I originally just did it to see if I felt better. And I thought I did, you know, uh, and that was reason enough for me, you know, cause you'll have some people to say, Oh, you don't need to stop eating, you know, meat. And some yeah, people yeah. say you do. And you know, there's all kind of opinions out there, but, uh, to me, the the biggest one I should probably side with is you know how it made me feel. So uh, that's how long it's been. I, I went back on it. Uh, I had a trip to Jamaica uh, one year for my uh, company uh, retreat, and the jerk chicken was smelling so good coming off the grills. I couldn't take it. I couldn't yeah. like. I had and it looked and and, and that was the other thing because on what the hell they talk about like mass production and stuff like that. I know over there like the chickens are running around free range, like you know. I'm just like you know this jerk. You I, like, this to. jerk chicken smells so good. I had to do it. That's the one yeah. thing I missed. I miss I miss chicken so bad. I miss chicken and bacon. Yeah, Eating bad. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, what what are some talking about traveling and getting experience food and restaurants and things of that nature? What are some tips that you would give somebody on traveling? Like somebody listening, like man, I love I would love to start traveling when we can start doing that. Yeah. Again. What would be some tips that you would give people? Yeah, awesome, awesome question. Uh, well, first of all, when this opens back up, I was doing this prior to this. Uh, first of all, travel with uh, uh, products like you know things you might need. Uh, for example. Uh, having a little spray bottle of Lysol. Uh, what you will notice, and because I travel so much, I think getting sick from being on the airport or, you know, catching a cold or something like that is something that I recognize probably happened to me once or twice a year, just from, I think, from just traveling so much. Uh, and if you keep that stuff on you, it's good because until now, usually when they, you know, uh, clean planes off in between planes, they just get trash out. They're not disinfecting. So, you know, going forward, I think that's just, first of all, that's my first health tip is carry that, carry the wipes, wipe stuff down when you sit down, all that stuff, especially if you got kids around and that kind of thing, because that'll be one of the things you don't think about that you can really do and control. So definitely do that. Um, the other thing I would, I would say is, you know, uh, I tell people to, you know, kind of travel loosely. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, if you can, I don't ever check baggage. Uh, if you can, don't check baggage. Uh, that'll make you a lot more flexible. Why? Because a lot of times, and you'll notice this probably when we get back to traveling, uh, I've had plenty of opportunities, and maybe this is because of the frequency that I travel, that, you know, you'll get the volunteer notification. Hey, do you mind, you know, taking the next flight? Uh, and I tell people, unless you're traveling on business, obviously, always do it. Always do it. Unless you're trying to get to an event, like a wedding or something. Always do it, but you need to be agile enough to be able to do it. Uh, because if you do that, then you could, you know, again, it's and 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 I fly Delta. I, I don't I fly anything else because I think they treat you really well. And it's really about where's your hubs. And for New York, it's a hub for us. So I got straight shots. I can get to most places. Um, then I guess the last tip I would give people is, you know, research where you're going uh, and have a sense of different neighborhoods. Like when I go to Miami. Uh, you know, uh, I grew up in an area where, you know, we were Miami beaching uh, till we can Miami beach no more. Uh, but, you know, now I'm like, you know, uh, thinking about different neighborhoods. So, you know, Wynwood and, and Brickell and other places. And, you know, I go uh, and look on Eater. If I, I'll give you guys one of my resources that I, I use for checking out dope restaurants. Uh, but you can go the hottest restaurants of like, I might go to hottest restaurants of, of Oklahoma City, right? And it'll give me a listing of different places and I can look those things up and I can research them. I can look at their menus. I can see who owns the place. 
Uh, I can see those kind of things and I can organize and understand, you know, you know, lay out a schedule for yourself. Uh, that's the one thing I'm real particular about too, is like, I understand like where I want to eat, when I want to eat there, uh, if they got a happy hour, if they got, you know, some kind of special going on and you organize your day around something like that. And I, I found like creating a schedule is, is like really helpful. And, uh, you know, especially when you're traveling in groups and stuff like that. Um, those are the only two. Oh, and the last big tip is just be consistent. Uh, I said I only fly Delta, and that way my my points, you know, they they explode when it comes to Delta. Uh, when it comes to hotel change, to the extent you can you can do it, stay in one place because that way you accumulate your points, and before you know it, uh, you know you can really be uh, doing some things, uh, you know, for free. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good, man. So going back to your creative creative agency. Uh, justified, but what, what's the name? Justified. justified, justified. What What is a creative agent for people listening? Like, what in the world is a lot of times I've yeah. learned that people will talk about certain things, and there's a lot of people who may not know what a certain thing is. So, so a creative is that the same as the marketing agency? Is that the same as the branding agency, design agency? What is a creative agency? Great, great, great question. Um, you know, again, this is kind of like giving you the breaking news here. We're still defining who we are. Yeah, uh, but here's what I know. Um, you know, uh, we had the opportunity in doing some things on the charitable organization side to really develop some skills and uh, some usefulness that we can probably, uh, you know, create some value in the marketplace with. And one of those things is is working with different brands and uh, different corporate entities and helping them execute on different strategies. And some of those strategies, right, might be like a marketing campaign. Some of those strategies might be a social media campaign. Some of those strategies might be what we call a brand activation, right? You ever been to like a fair or you've been to like some kind of concert and you know, you walk over and maybe vitamin water has some kind of cool, you know, brand activation going on. Uh, well, that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of thing just doesn't, you know, uh, appear out of thin air, right? You gotta have a team together to understand, you know, what does that look like? Uh, you got a team together to look like to uh, create the strategy and to execute the strategy. And, you know, doing something like the Agora Sneaker Ball, we've had the opportunity to do that time over time with many different clients and many different, uh, uh, you know, uh, people. So we've created those relationships, uh, you know, and we've had a ability to deliver, you know, value to a specific diverse population for these brands and these entities. So, you know, that's what that's what we mean when we say kind of like a creative agency. Uh, also in our space, you know, we'll do some artist management. Uh, we'll do some other things. But, you know, it's, it's, it's loosely defined for a reason. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, in a, in a way to just give you a sense of you're out there listening and you're saying to yourself, you know, I, I got, you know, uh, I'm a brand manager or I work on a brand team and, you know, I've I've, uh, I've I've Googled some of this stuff that, you know, Greg's told me about. And I see the kicks for the city. I see the sneaker ball. And, you know, these cats look like uh, some 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 good dudes. Uh, so when you, you know, how does this work? If you, you know, reached out and you got a project that uh, is similar to the aforementioned or maybe something that's not, you know, that's what that's what we're after. We're really after just leveraging like our creativity and expertise. Uh, to deliver value for, uh, you know, uh, uh, our consumers, which may be different brands, uh, again, maybe, you know, individuals themselves, you know, uh, you name it. That's cool, man. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Media, Gary Vaynerchuk, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. though he's crazy, his language, I try not to listen to him too much when my kids are around, but just the whole marketing and all that good stuff, uh, I really have an interest in it and really enjoy seeing people, how they work that magic for different brands and individuals or whatever the case may be, social media campaigns. It, it, Lauren is similar to some of that stuff as well. And so yeah. I'm always trying to steal some nuggets from her. And I'm like, now what are y'all doing new, you know, with that million dollar budget? Cause I got a $2 budget, but I'm just trying to see if there's something I can get. Out of, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, so it's fun. Hey, before we get out of here, man, just think, so go win is about what are those right things you need to be consistent in to achieve the wins you want for your life? to live out yeah. your greatest story. Man, you've been living a, a, you know, up until now, I'm just listening to your story, man, you have really had some, some great opportunities and you've taken advantage of them. What would be some things that you would say, 
to a young person or to some adult that's just starting out, young adult or whatever, there are some things that you say, man, be consistent in doing these things to, to go live your best life. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Number one, be disciplined. You know, uh, ooh. Don't, don't let life force you to be disciplined. Be disciplined uh, uh, at your own bequest. Uh, and I think that's hard to get a young person to understand. Uh, because a young person, all they do is see life and they enjoy life. Yeah, that's why it's some of the best years of your life. Uh, but to the extent that you can be disciplined. And here's what's the great thing about being disciplined. We all struggle with discipline, but we don't all struggle with discipline in the same way. You know, there's certain things that I can do in a very disciplined manner. Uh, I can get out and exercise and run every day. Uh, if some people need to exercise, it's something they can't do, right? Uh, but then I think it is something that you will have discipline in when it comes to your life. Maybe that's, you know, watching your favorite show every day. It's something that you have discipline around. If you can take that formula and transfer it to other places and challenge yourself, uh, I think the, 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 when you can conquer that, uh, you know, you can, you can do amazing things. And I, and I always use an athletic example of, you know, I think, you know, one of the things I would have told my younger self is, you know, work harder at your discipline, at your craft. I think in some way with sports, uh, what you'll notice is people, some people have, you know, enormous, you know, just out the gate talent, like a LeBron, right? Uh, other people uh, are going to have some mediocre talent, but they're going to work so hard and they're going to be disciplined enough to accomplish uh, some, some goals greater beyond what they would have if they had. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, uh, we talked about it here today, Greg, you know, invest in your relationships, invest in people. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, uh, some of us are a little bit more extroverted, you know, they'll tell you all about themselves. Maybe that's me and you, right? Some people aren't. Yeah. But, you know, whether, whether you find yourself on that personality spectrum, I think, you know, you need to find a way to understand that well, you can't do life by yourself. Uh, that's one thing I could, I could assure you of. So, you know, to the degree that you can re invest in relationships and other people and, and really find, and you don't have to have a bunch, like, you know, maybe me or you, you know, but you can find some that are meaningful. Yeah. And you can really, uh, you know, you can really leverage those. So, you know, that would be uh, uh, number two. And just, uh, you know, I think thirdly, man, I think uh, it's important uh, to have a sense of optimism. And uh, I have an extreme sense of optimism uh, that may be even looked at as, you know, in some ways like extreme or, you know, like uh, unrealistic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think, uh -huh. I think you got to keep a smile on your face and, and a laugh in your belly. Uh, and you got to do that uh, consistently. Uh, and because really, uh, you know, the other thing that I can probably promise somebody is that life is going to be challenging. And, uh, you know, li life is full of valleys and peaks. And, uh, you know, cheers to the woman, cheers to the man that, you know, during your, 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 your valleys uh, that you can, you can, you know, wake up every day with the same uh, smile on your face and the same sense of optimism that you have when you're in your peaks, because that's where right there is going to keep you going. That's good, man. That's so good, Mitch. Man, I appreciate you taking time out of your, your schedule to just kind of hang out. Oh, this is dope. Yeah, this yeah, is dope. Man. This is dope. I appreciate it. Now, I need an invite to the sneaker ball. Uh, whenever it, okay, you, when we come back next summer, we we got you. We got, I got man, you. Man, I need an invite to that because I think that's super cool that y'all are doing that. I'm all for nonprofits and doing uh, work in the community, and it sounds like y'all have grown a great story there. And so I'd like to kind of see it firsthand, man. So if I can get a chance to do that, also, man, congratulations on uh, again on getting married and happy birthday to you. I think that's super cool. The Zoom, Zoom, uh, how do you say it? Zoom. Uh, what they call uh, that? Zuma, Zuma Palooza. Zuma Palooza, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, before, before we go, though, I have one question for you, though, because uh, I asked Lauren this, too, uh, and she couldn't give me an answer. She didn't know. So, obviously, like, uh, you know, Netflix right now, number one show in the world is Tiger King. All right. Uh, so, uh, you know, my question to you is, I think that, that, that uh, uh, I think that Zoo, he had, is in Oklahoma. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 Nia likes animals, right? Right. Yeah. Have you been to that? Have you been to the whatever? I don't know the name of it, but have you been out? Yeah. There? No, we have not been out there. I I just had to ask. I just had to ask. <laughs> and and is, is is Guthrie closer to Tulsa or Oklahoma City? We're closer to uh, Oklahoma City. We're just north of Oklahoma City, about thirty miles. And okay. then uh, okay. Tulsa is uh, east of us. 
about an hour, about uh, 90 minutes, about an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, right. uh, so we're just right here in the metro, kind of, so to speak. But we're not quite in the metro, but we're in the metro. So we still get the small town feel. But if we need to go to a, th- you know, like everything's pretty close proximity to us. So that's gotcha. what I love gotcha. about it. I can walk. Like I can't get to New York. So, but here I walk to my office. I walk to the grocery store. So I get that same life here. And so 2018, I, 20, uh, 20, I'm trying not to go, trying to go a whole year without a car. So, uh, got you, got yeah, you. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so those are things that I try to do in my little small community, man. So, so thank you, Mitch, okay. man. I appreciate you again, man. And so how can people find you? Do you, are you uh, social media? Yeah. How can people check you out? Yeah, we, we on social media, uh, personal page on social media is at Mitch Breeze. That's M-I-T-C-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E. Um, if you're looking for uh, us on social media as organization, uh, Kicks for the City is at K-4-T-C. Uh, and Justified is at uh, D-E-Justified, J-U-S-T-I-F-I-E-D. Uh, and, um, you know, that, uh, in LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn. If you need me there, uh, I think Mitchell Brown or Mitch Brown is, uh, what you should look for there. Uh, yeah, so Mitch looking Brown. forward to, okay. Yeah. Looking forward to catching up with y'all, uh, you know, and, and be sure to, to mention the go in podcast. Uh, and you know, I, I want to just applaud you, you know, this was, this was dope. This is probably, I've been on, a, I've been on a few, you know, a couple, this one was good. This one was really good. Uh, yeah. So, so you got, I, 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 I'll send you some fans. I'll send you some more, some more <laughs> listeners for sure. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate it, man. I just want to keep better. I want to keep getting people's stories out there. I believe we learn from one another. We inspire one another. And just a great way to connect is through sharing our stories with one another. And you're about community and building that. And so, again, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, as always, go win. Mm-hmm.